Thank you very much. Well, it's uh, definitely a pleasure to be here, and thank you so much, Preacher, for the opportunity to share our burden here with you guys. Um, it's uh, This is our last meeting for the year. Um, my wife and kids are back there in the back. I'll introduce them later. But my name is Mike Peters, and uh, we're missionaries to Spain. And this is our last our last meeting for um, 2011. And then next, next year we're going to hit it full force. We've got about 55 meetings lined up for... Next year we'll come and do the same thing. So we appreciate your prayers and encourage you to grab a prayer card. But um, I do want to say thank you for having us. Thank you for being faithful to the house of God today. I'm very thankful to have um, a friend like your preacher. Um, you know, it's you know, it's kind of hard to explain. You know, when you get if if any of you men or you know or ladies even are in a business or not a business, but you have a a, a career, if you will, let's just call it a career, and you know the the different ins and outs of that. You can really relate to somebody who also shares the same career, right? Like if a policeman, he can really relate with a policeman or, or, or what have you. So I really appreciate your pastor's friendship, and y'all take care of him and uh, follow him. I really am thankful to have friends like him in the ministry that, you know, we can talk about things and things that we deal with as preachers, and you got somebody else who kind of understands and can relate to it. So very grateful for that. But um, we'll talk a little bit about Spain uh, later on in the next service and show you our, our DVD. But... Um, this morning, if you could just turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 78. Psalms, chapter 78. And I'll read the text there. And, uh, okay, let's see, we got that. Psalm 78, and, and just to give you a little bit of a background as far as what this message means to me. And the more and more we travel on deputation, going to churches, I mean, I'm sure preachers explain, you know, a missionary has to, before a missionary can go to start a church in another country, has to raise the money here in the States from other churches to be able to go over there and live and, you know, uh, have a building like this and then have uh, resources for people to come and hear the gospel just like you are today. And... Um, when I first realized the Lord had, had dealt with me about becoming a missionary, my first response, well, when I was a kid, I, let me give you a background. When I was 11 years old, anybody here 11 years old? Anybody? 11? Anybody? Okay. Close. Anybody close to 11 years old? Anybody at all? Come on, how old are you? 13. See, that's pretty close. How old are you? 12. See, even closer. All right, we'll see. You guys can relate to what I'm saying, you young ladies. When I was 11 years old, the Lord began to speak to my heart about becoming a missionary. Now, I didn't know where to, but it was during a special uh, missions conference at our church in Texas. And uh, I knew the Spirit of God was speaking to me saying, Hey, I want you to go and, and to be a missionary, to be a preacher in a foreign country, and tell people about the gospel of Jesus, how they can go to heaven, um, if only they ask ask for forgiveness of their sins and put their faith in Christ. I knew that at 11 years old. And I was excited about it at first. But, you know, as as an 11-year-old turns 12 and then 13, and y'all parents with teenagers, no offense if anybody's a teenager in here, but uh, teenagers, as, as they just think they're the smartest people in the world, don't they? I know I did. I did, I did. I thought I knew it all when I was... 15, 16, and as I get older, I realize I know so much less as each day goes by. But as I got older, and I knew the Lord had called me to the mission field, but my own plans and my own ambitions and desires in life began to supersede the ones that God had already instructed me and pointed me towards. 
And I thought to myself, well, I don't want to be a missionary. I, I have other dreams and desires. And those other dreams and desires weren't wrong. I mean, I wanted to be in the military. I wanted to play professional baseball. I had all these ambitions, but they weren't wrong, but they were wrong because they were coming before God's leadership, God's calling on my life. And um, that's when I began to say, God, I mean, seriously, I'm a missionary. I mean, come on. And, and even in Bible college, just a couple years back, I went to Bible college to, you know, I knew the Lord had called me to preach. Didn't know where I was going to be a missionary to yet. But even in Bible college, the Lord began to deal with my heart about going to the country of Spain. And uh, another missionary had mentioned Spain to me because I had a burden for the Spanish-speaking people. I mean, I go from living... Well, I grew up in a small town in central Illinois. You know, everybody speaks English. I mean, you're hard-pressed to find anybody that you know speaks a different language. I moved to Elgin to go to Bible college up near Chicago. And 45% of Elgin is Spanish-speaking. So it's like culture shock for me, you know, from farm country to, you know, hey, a multicultural uh, city. So the Lord used that to burden my heart for Spanish-speaking people. And I thought, I was thinking South America, Mexico, Puerto Rico, something like that. I'm thinking, okay, I could be a missionary to some place like that. Some missionary, some other missionary I met and I was talking to, he just said, hey, have you ever considered Spain? And this was back in 2007. He said, have you ever considered Spain? said, uh, nope, not at all. And he says, well, this is all he said. He said, pray about it. He said, uh, it's, it's a needy country. He says, it's, it's been nicknamed the, the missionary graveyard, if you will, because so many missionaries have gone and, and maybe gotten discouraged or what have you and left that country. He says, but uh, they, still need the co- they still need the gospel. They still need to hear about Christ. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, whatever, crazy guy. I'm not even thinking about Spain. It, I couldn't get Spain out of my mind after he said that. I mean, every time I would open a magazine, there was something about, hey, come visit Spain. Or uh, I took a trip down to Florida to see my grandma, and I was up, you know, those Sky Mall magazines on the airplane. Every time I'd open one up, they were saying, hey, here's a flight to Spain for just much amount. You know, it was just crazy. I read the Book of Romans tons of times in the Bible. I was reading the book of Romans shortly after that, and I saw the verse in Romans 15 where Paul says he was going to, going to Spain. And I thought, I've never seen this before. Spain's in the Bible. That's amazing. <laughs> but, I mean, Spain just kept jumping out, and the Lord was saying, hey, man, this is it. This is what I want you to do. And this was back in 07. And I, I began to reason with God. I began, and, and this is all background for, the, sto- for the, the message this morning. I just began to tell God, I said, Lord, have you seen the economy? I mean, this is, you know, this is... This is not 1990, 1995. I mean, everything's expensive, the price of gas. I mean, going to a, a Western European country, you know, where people aren't really hungry for the gospel necessarily. You know, I mean, you could go to like the Philippines or Mexico and people are, are just, you know, they're, they're wanting to come to church. They're designing, they have a heart for the gospel. You go to a European country, folks are a little more cold to it, but still need to hear the gospel, amen. And I began to tell God all this stuff, you know, like, like, if God did, like as if God didn't already know it, right? And the Lord said, look, man, this is what I want for your life. I mean, why, why can't you do it? I mean, I gave my son on Calvary. Uh, I'm not asking you to go to a cross. This is small compared to that. And the Lord just used that. And finally, this past February, at our missions conference, at our home church there in Elgin, um, I said, okay, God, I said, I have a good job, I have good health benefits, making good money, but if you want us to go to Spain, fine. 
I said, I'll do it because I love you and I know that I won't be happy unless I'm right in the middle of your will for my life. And uh, I said, so this is your problem. You're going to have to make it work, Lord. I said, but I'll do it. And so we surrendered. Uh, in February, we surrendered, my wife and I, to go to Spain. And uh, we quit our jobs in... Um, I quit my job in May of this year. And then two days later, we had our first meeting. So it's just been an awesome, awesome ride just to see how God's continually opened doors because finally I decided to step out on faith and trust that God is big enough to keep His promises to me as a Christian. And I want to share, I gave you that background just to obviously my testimony, but also to, to give you a, a foundation for this message this morning. In Psalm 78, and uh, we'll start in verse number 12, this is just a summary, if you will, by the psalmist of what God did for the children of Israel after He led them out of Egypt. After he led them out of captivity. Psalm 78 verse 12 through 19. The Bible says, Marvelous things did he, that's God, did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. And he made the waters to stand as a heap. I mean, I'll keep reading, but... But as you read these verses, just try to imagine this happening. I mean, this stuff that happened in the Bible is no fairy tale. It literally happened. Amen? Because it's in the Word of God and it says it did. I mean, imagine walking through a giant river or sea and and the the water just parting and, and, you know, splitting so you could walk through it. I mean, that's just blows my mind. Verse 14. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. So, I mean, the children of Israel are following. The Lord's leading them with this pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. I mean, just thinking of that is, is, is awesome. But then also in verse 15 he says, He gave them drink as out of the great depths. I mean, you think of the... In verse 16, rather, He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. I mean, you imagine walking through a desert... And, I mean, you're being thirsty, and God says, okay, um, hit this rock, and water's going to come out of it. Lord, are you serious? I mean, come on, that's pretty crazy. Just hit it, and boom, there, geyser coming right out of this rock in the middle of a day. I mean, God did that for these people. Anyway, verse 17, the Bible says, And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking me for their lusts. Yea, they spake against God. So even though God did all these miracles, the children of Israel were still not satisfied. They said, can God, verse 19, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? God did all these miraculous works. I mean, he parted the Red Sea. He he led them through on dry ground. And and when the Egyptians were pursuing them, trying to bring them back into captivity, God uh, waited for the Egyptian armies to get in the middle of the Red Sea and then collapse that water on top of them, destroying them. I mean, that's awesome. And they they saw this happen. And then they got over to the other side of the sea and, and God led them. Constantly, day by day, night by night, and he gave them water from a rock. He gave them manna from heaven to feed them, clothe them, give them drink. I mean, God did so much for them, yet they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? I mean, you know the story in the Old Testament. They said, oh Moses, why did you bring us out of the captivity? Why are you trying to lead us to the promised land? We should have stayed in captivity. At least we had three square meals a day. And they complained. And even though God did so much, they said, we don't think, you, you know, we don't think God's big enough to get us to the promised land. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And that's my challenge to you today. Those two words. Think of that. Can God 
Do you ever ask yourself in your own life, as a Christian, can God? I mean, have you ever doubted God and God's ability? Have you ever doubted God's hand of provision in your life? Have you ever doubted what God's capable of? It just, I mean, if we take a minute to just try to wrap our minds around who God is, we wouldn't doubt Him. If we, we took time to look through and just consider all the different things He did throughout all of the Scriptures, and how great and mighty things He did, and how He proved Himself continually to His people in the Bible, we wouldn't wonder, can God, but even, even I myself, that's why I gave you my testimony, I began to ask God, God, I mean, can you really help us to raise the money we need to be able to go to this foreign country to, to share the gospel with these people? And I said, Lord, you know, even after we get to this country, I mean, can you really bring people into the house of God to come and hear the gospel? I said, so what? I said, God, so what if we get there? I said, we go to Spain. I mean, these people, you're going to have to get them to come. I said, I'm not charismatic enough to get them to come. I said, I mean, I might be able to do so much, but I said, God, it's not going to cut it. I said, can you do it, Lord? And I began to ask, can God? And this, this thought here really helped me, and I hope it helps you this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time we have together in your house and, and meeting with your people. And Spirit of God, I just ask that you'd be here this morning and pray that you'd bless the message. And Spirit of God, just speak to hearts and, and speak through me. I mean, use me as your mouthpiece and help me to stay out of the way, but only say what you'd have me to say. And might this message be profitable for your honor and glory. These people have you know, undoubtedly worked all week and, and they deserve to hear a spirit-filled message, Father. And might you help that to happen today. In your name we pray. Amen. So ask yourself, I have faith in God. I mean, if we're on our way to heaven, we're going to heaven if we die today. If you're going to heaven, you die today and you're proud about it and you're excited about it, say amen, would you? Amen. That's awesome, isn't it? That's exciting. We have faith in God. We put our faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. But beyond the faith in Christ Jesus, ask yourself, do I have faith in God? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Evidence of things not seen. I mean, obviously we can't see God, but we can see God's hand working all around us. Amen. See, faith isn't just a good, positive feeling that everything's going to work out. You can't just... You know, I love it when I hear people say, Oh, my faith's going to get me through. And they don't know... I mean, they've never met Jesus Christ. And I'm wondering, well, if they've never trusted in Christ, what's their faith invested in? I mean, they just have faith in faith? What's that about? So you have to have faith in an object. It must be invested, your faith must be invested in an object, and that object is God Almighty. Amen? The definition of faith. Faith is the confident belief or trust in the truth or trustworthiness of a person or thing. The confident belief or trust in the truth... The trustworthiness, right here, of a person or thing. I mean, think about that thought. When we begin to doubt and we begin to say, God, I mean, you know, the Spirit of God speaks to each of us individually and says, hey, I want to lead you in this certain direction in your life. I want you to do this. When the Holy Spirit spoke to me, he said, hey, I want you to become a missionary. And then he said, I want you to go to the country of Spain. When he points a direction in our life and says, hey, step out and, and, and obey my will for your life, child of God, when God says that to us, we need to step out by faith and have faith and believe that He's going to meet the needs where He's guided us. Do we really understand who God is? Isaiah 40 and verse 28. I'll read that to you. Isaiah 40 and verse 28. 
I read this the other day and it just really sums it up for me. Isaiah 40.28, the Bible says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. I mean, when we doubt God and we try to figure things out, we can't figure God out, can we? We can't. If we could figure God out, God wouldn't be God, wouldn't be God if we understood Him. We try to confine God into the, the box of our own understanding sometimes. And we try to think, okay, God, I, I can see, I can see, Lord, I can see where you're leading me, I can see how it's all going to work out. Man, I'm ready to go. No, we can't do that because we're human beings. God wants us to say, Lord, I have no clue why you're telling me to go that direction, but I believe in you, and I believe you're going to provide for me, so I'm going. That's what God wants. Because Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. If we want to please our great, big, awesome God, our Heavenly Father, we've got to have faith in His promises that are found in this Word. So you think to yourself, well, how can I have faith that God is going to provide for my physical, my spiritual needs? You know, when you begin to ask yourself, can God... Remember, just, just three things, three simple thoughts, and then, then we'll be through. Number one, remember what God has already done. Remember what God has already done in your life. The psalmist remembered how God had already been so good to him, and I'll read that to you in just a moment. But you think about that. Think about all the good things God's done in your life up to today. Up to today. And then think to yourself, well, if God's already brought me this far, I can trust Him to take me further in life. Take me further in, the, in, in my Christianity. I can do more for God because He's brought me this far. I mean, you think about that. Remember what God's already done in your life. I mean, we're here today, and you've got a King James Bible in your hand, amen? The perfect, complete Word of God. God's heart on paper for me and you to read. That's awesome. The people in the Bible didn't have this. The whole thing, they didn't have it. They had parts of it. We got the whole thing, amen? I mean, think about that. God did that for you and I. We could have been born 3,000 years ago and not had this to guide our lives. But we're not. We're born now in this century and we've got the Word of God in front of us. Think about that. I mean, think about the fact that you're here today in an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church where, where the preaching is preaching the truth from the Word of God, amen? Not preachers not preaching his ideas. He's not preaching his own convictions and beliefs. He's preaching God's word to you. I mean, God did that for you. You could be. I mean, we drove by a handful of churches this morning on the way here. You see them all the time: Catholic, the Presbyterian, the Methodist, the community churches that are really you know watered down. They don't really hold forth the word of truth like they should. We could be in any of those other things right now, but we're not. We're in a Bible preaching church this morning. Amen. Amen. Where you don't have to wonder, man, is what I'm going to hear this morning going to be really what God said in His Word? You don't have to wonder that. You just can know it for sure. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Amen. God did that for you. You could be anywhere else now, but you've been reached and you're here today. Amen. But even beyond that, think of where we're at today. We're in Rock Falls, Illinois. In the United States of America. Amen. Land of the free, home of the brave. And we're not, we're not worried about someone coming through these doors because we're meeting in secret trying to hide from, you know, maybe some kind of inst- religious institution that's out trying to control what you believe and, and, and how you worship the Lord. We're not concerned about someone coming through and saying, okay, if you're, if you're a Christian, then, you know, we're going to take you out back and shoot you. We don't have to worry about that. We're in a free country, amen. I mean, we're going to the country of Spain, but praise the Lord, I'm still going to be an American when I get there. 
I'm going to try to adapt to their culture and, and be everything I can be to reach those people. But at the end of every day, I still bleed red, white, and blue. Amen. And I thank God for this country and for what this country... This country has made it so that we as Christians can freely take the Word of God to other countries and give that gospel message to those people. This country has made it... The, the, I mean, I was re, my wife was reading in the paper this morning about the last... Um, platoon leaving Iraq this morning. Um, not that there's still guys in Afghanistan, but the last one leaving Iraq this morning. I mean, those guys, this country, the men and women who've given their lives so much and so often have made it available, have made our freedom available so that we can worship freely, so that we can take the gospel freely to any other person on the face of God's green earth. That's awesome. God did that for us. We could be in any other country this morning, but we're not. I was speaking to a, a, a young fellow yesterday as I was out visiting, a Polish guy, and uh, he's 22, and he said he'd moved here to the States when he was 11 years old, and he was just telling me about where he used to live. And uh, he was saying, you know, he says, yeah, where I come from, in Poland, he said, there's no trees, no grass. He said, you know, there's, there's burned down buildings and blown up cars and things like that. He said, it's a third world con- country. And I said, man, aren't you glad to be in America, amen? We don't, we don't have to be concerned with things like that happening to us. God's done that for you, Christian. God's brought you here today in this country with the freedoms we have, brought you to this church with this Bible, giving you so much. I mean, those are things that we take for granted if we don't think about it. Think about it. Remember what God's already done. Do this even. Set aside a time each day to remember how good God's been to you. You know, the psalmist said, I'll read it to you, in uh, the previous chapter 77, the psalmist said this, when he was thinking about what God had done for him, he said, Will the Lord cast off forevermore, and will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Have God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. The psalmist was feeling sorry for himself and saying, Has God forgotten about me? Has God not seen my life and what's happening in my life? My sorrows, my sadness, my, my trials and tribulations. Has God forgotten about me? And then in verse 10, the psalmist answers himself. He says, And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. The psalmist said, I shouldn't feel sorry for myself. I shouldn't doubt how great God is because He's proven Himself so many times. I'm going to remember all the good things He's done in my life. I challenge you today, Christian, when God starts to direct you in a certain way, maybe it's maybe to get involved more here at church, maybe it's to get involved more in your giving, maybe it's to get involved more in being a witness and a gospel light in your neighborhood and community, when God starts challenging you and the Holy Spirit starts urging you to go in that one of those directions, whichever it may be right now, and you think to yourself, well, God, how can I do this? I might be fearful. I might not have the ability to do these things you're asking me to do. Remember all the good things God's already done for you. And just think to yourself, man, if God's already done this so much for me, I can do this for Him. I can step out by faith and live by faith to glorify my Heavenly Father because He's already done so much for me. You know, it's funny sometimes we, you know, as Christians, our salvation, you know, we we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we, we, we call upon His name for salvation and ask Him to save us from our sins, and save us from an eternity in hell. And we say, you know, basically we're saying, you know, Lord, here's my soul, my never-dying soul, my most valuable possession. Here it is. I put my faith in Christ. Here's my soul, God. Keep it forever. And so we give that to God, 
our most valuable possession, but you know, in our other hand, we've got you know our, our marriage, our, our finances, our job, our problems, our family problems, the kids, the wife, the dog, the whole thing over here, and we think, I'll give God my soul, but God, all these problems, I got them. I'll figure them out on my own. God doesn't want us to do that. Why not just take them all and say, here you go, Lord, I've already given you my soul. Take the rest of it too. I'm, I'm, having, I'm putting my faith and trust completely in you to care for my life and to guide my life. And I'm not telling you to go out and quit your job tomorrow and you know do that kind of thing because missionaries need support today, man. But, uh, but living by faith. Think about it. Remember all the good things God's done for you. Trust him, you trusted Him with your eternity. Trust Him with your daily provisions. So remember what God's already done when you begin to ask, can God? Remember what He's already done in your life. But number two, realize what God's already promised. Realize what He's already promised. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, uh, verse 5 and 6, many of us probably know that the verse. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understandings. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. God said, trust in the Lord. Trust in me with all your heart. God's made a promise to you. When you trust in Him with all your heart and acknowledge Him before you make any decision in life, even the little ones. I, I was reading this book you know, by um, uh, a Brother Jack Hiles, who was a pastor who's died years ago. And just a good book. And he said, you know, even the little decisions... Ask God for guidance and leadership. Acknowledge God. He said sometimes he'd be on his way home from church and he'd say, okay, Lord, which way do you want me to drive home today? And you think, at first I read that and I'm like, why does he need to ask God to help him with his directions? Doesn't he know how to get to his own house? But he said, you know, so many times I, the, the Holy Spirit would maybe lead me a different way home and, and, because I'd ask, he'd say, hey God, which way do you want me to go? And I'd feel the Holy Spirit saying, okay, take this route and I'd go this way and so many times, Brother Hiles said, you know, he'd go a different direction and see somebody maybe parked on the side of the road, had a broken down vehicle, or, or maybe he'd run into somebody somehow and be able to share the gospel with him and see that person trust Christ just because he happened to cross their path that day. We should ask God and acknowledge God for direction, even in the small things. And he says he'll direct our paths if we do that. Acknowledge God and trust in Him with everything you've got, even the small decisions, big and small alike, and, he'll, and He says He'll guide you. And then in Psalms 37 and verse 3, here's another thing that God has already promised. Psalm 37 and verse 3. You don't have to turn it if you don't like, but uh, verse 3, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. That's a promise from God. God cannot lie. God can't break His promises. And He said, If you trust in Me, and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. We begin to ask God, God, can you? I mean, you know, God, I mean, can, can you meet these needs in my life? Realize what he's already promised. He said just simple things. Trust in him and do good. And he says, verily thou shalt be fed. Saying God's going to take care of you if you trust in him and do right. Pretty simple. He's not asking us to, you know, crawl through miles of broken glass on our hands and knees in order to win some kind of favor with Him. No, He's just saying, trust in me. Have faith in me when I direct you in a certain way in life. Have faith in me that I'm going to meet your needs. And I will. That's pretty simple. And that's a promise from God. Realize what God's already promised. But not only that, He's promised to guide if you acknowledge Him. Why not trust Him? And then in Psalm 37 and verse 25... I'll read that to you as well. I really love this verse. This verse is awesome when I think about my kids. 
The Bible says, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I've been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God's promise to provide if we lead a holy lifestyle. Just like I read you in those last two verses. But you see, what's interesting is the equal and opposite truth is also there. You know, while he says, that I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. The flip side of that coin is, living an unrighteous life means that God's not going to meet those needs in your life. Not going to give you the provision in life that you need. Unless you stay right with him. And then also think of this promise from God as well. Matthew 28 and verse 20. He says, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. The Bible says He's always with us and He always will be. That ought to give us confidence to attempt great things for God. That ought to give you confidence knowing that no matter what you attempt in life, if you're living right and doing right like God's already told you to in the Bible, He's promised to guide and direct you. But that ought to give us a confidence to be able to attempt great things for God. You think of that. Maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, Hey Christian, I want you to share the gospel with that family member that needs to get saved. And you might think to yourself, Well God, you know, what are they going to say? Be confident. If you're living right and doing right, God promises you He's going to give you all that you need to be able to do that command He's given you too. I mean, I remember I was trying to witness to my uh, great-grandma when I was a kid. And I was concerned about, you know, oh, what's she going to say? And she told me to, you know, go take a hike a lot of times. She ended up getting saved finally on her deathbed, amen. But knowing that I was doing the right thing gave me confidence to witness to her. When you're living right and having a right lifestyle and, and, and honoring God, it'll give you confidence to do great things for God. I mean, maybe it is God's telling you. Maybe I want you to be more involved. Maybe I want you to be involved in the different ministries and the different outreaches here at church. Knowing that you're living right and having faith in Him ought to give you confidence to attempt those great things. You know, I heard this, this quote, uh, Attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. God sees you stepping out by faith, trying to do something great for Him. God's going to give you a great answer in return for that act of faith. You fill in the blank. I don't know what it is that you need to step out by faith and do. That's between you and God, Amen. But when God sees you stepping out by faith, trying to do something great for Him, I promise you, He's going to answer with a great answer, a big answer, a, a wonderful answer. It, it says so right here. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the earth. That ought to give us confidence to attempt great things for God. So when we ask God, you know, can you, God? I mean, you've led me a certain direction. Can you meet my needs? Remember what He's already done. Not only that, realize what He's already promised. But then thirdly and lastly... And very important, I think. Reject the fear of Satan's devices which paralyze you. Reject the fear of Satan's devices which paralyze you. Do you know the devil? The Bible says he's a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, you're in here today and you're born again, you're on your way to heaven, amen. Praise the Lord, you're saved. You're going to heaven. The devil can't touch your soul. He can't. He can't take you to hell. He wants to, but he can't if, you're going, if, you're, if you've trusted in Christ, amen. But even though the devil can't take your soul to hell because you're a Christian and you've trusted Jesus, he can make your life here on earth, hell, if you're not careful. And you've got to reject the fear of Satan's devices because they will paralyze you in your Christian walk. You see, the devil knows. He knows he's, the Bible says he's smart, he's cunning. 
And he knows he knows our weaknesses. He knows our besetting sins. I mean, that one little thing that, man, it's just such a such a temptation, such a struggle. And and so many times, if we're not expecting it, the devil's got us in his crosshairs and just waiting for the right moment to, to just launch that attack on you. You can't be fearful of, of Satan's devices. Be aware, but don't be fearful. You can't be afraid of Satan. Because Satan's going to take that fear and use it to keep you from stepping out by faith and doing something for God. My fear of the unknown as, 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 a, as a college student, my fear of, of the unknown of raising support and going on deputation and you know, taking my family across the country and trying to raise money to go to a foreign country, my fear of not knowing, my fear of the unknown of that, kept me from doing anything for a couple years. Stagnant. You know, and, and, and then tell me this. What happens to you know, a body of water that's stagnant, that has no movement? Somebody tell me. A body of water is stagnant. You know, maybe a stream. It's, 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 it's maybe a stream connected to a great and mighty river, but maybe that connection breaks off and then that stream becomes stagnant. It gets mossy. It gets nasty. Maybe stinky. The, the, the wildlife that used to live there might leave. That's what happens when we do nothing because of our fear. Think of this thought. Four words. Fear paralyzes, faith provides. Fear paralyzes, faith provides. The fear of the unknown, the fear... Whatever, the, whatever God's leading you to do in your life, I don't know what it is. You fill in the blank, but you know. He knows and you know, because He's told you already, amen. Whatever that special will is in your life from God, when He says, hey, do this, and our fear of the unknown keeps us from doing anything. I mean, the Holy Spirit says, hey, step out by faith and, and do what I've commanded you to do. You say, but God, I can't see. I can't see two feet in front of me. I don't see how you're going to meet my needs. How are you going to pay these bills? You know, how are you going to... How, how is this person I'm thinking of? How are they going to trust Christ? I, I can't see how you're going to do it, Lord. God says, hey, step out, Christian. And you go to step out by faith and He works wonders. But when you don't, and your fear of the unknown keeps you from doing anything, What happens? You see, while we're debating with God, wondering if God's big enough to meet our needs, wondering if He's big enough to give us the confidence we need to do something great for Him, while we're standing there wondering that every second people are dying and going to hell, when if we would have just stepped out by faith sooner and done something for the Lord sooner, whatever it is, He could have used our faith, used our life, to maybe see some of those people saved. But when we're standing here afraid of doing nothing because we, don't, we can't see the unknown, I mean, we can't see through it, we, we, we're, we're supposed to trust God, but we're not doing anything because we're not trusting God, thousands of people in the world dying and going to hell. I opened up a, uh, I went on a church website the other day. I don't know if you guys have maybe seen a website like this. Uh, uh, a church we're trying to get a meeting at, and the, there was like a, a web counter Accounting, you know, just you open the website and as soon as you open it, it starts counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And uh, it said, This many people have died in the world since you've opened this webpage. And I was on it for maybe, uh, I forget how long, maybe just four or five minutes. And by the time I closed the webpage, I mean, it was well over a thousand. Well over a thousand people. I can't remember the exact number, but it was well, I was well over a thousand. I kid you not. People that had died just in those few minutes. And you think of that thought, all the people in the world that are maybe dying and going to hell, that are dying and going to hell without Christ. And God says, hey, child of God, I want you to step out by faith and do this for me. 
Whatever it is, I want you to live by faith. Do this for me. And when we stand and do nothing because we're afraid, all those people that we could be reaching through our faith in Christ, going off into eternity without ever hearing the gospel, maybe because we were scared, maybe because we were fearful, Fear paralyzes, faith provides. You see what's interesting, and I'll close with this thought. God can do anything He wants, amen? God's all-powerful. But you know there's one thing, there's one thing that God cannot do. It's like a, it's a, it's a, a mind-boggler. I'm going to let it sink in. You're probably thinking, oh, preacher, you brought a heretic into church preaching heresy. God can't do... But there is one thing God can't do. God can't use a person who's not surrendered and living by faith through Him. He can't. God can get the job done, whatever job He needs done. He can get it done, but He'll have to use somebody else because if you or I don't live by faith and follow by faith His commands, He can't get that job done through us. You see, Psalm 78 and verse 41, take a look at it. Psalm 78 and verse 41, the Bible says, talking about the children of Israel, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Their lack of faith, their doubt in the ability of their Heavenly Father, who had already proven Himself so many times, says they limited the Holy One of Israel. And as you know, the children of Israel, that generation never made it to the Promised Land. And their children ended up making it to the Promised Land, but they didn't. They died in the wilderness. I challenge you today, live by faith and trust God and follow Him. Whatever direction He's leading you, follow it by faith. Because if not, then you're stuck in that wilderness of wondering and limiting the hand of God in your life. Like I said, God can still get the job done, but He'll have to use somebody else that's surrendered to Him, somebody else that's really believing God's big enough to do what He said He can do. I mean, think of those things when you begin to ask, can God remember what He's already done, realize what He's already promised, and reject the fear of Satan's devices? And believe me, it's a wonderful thing. I wouldn't trade this... Wouldn't trade this life for anything. I mean, we would, you know, paycheck to paycheck, but I believe I'm goofy enough, I'm silly enough to believe my God's big enough to meet our needs and to take care of it. And I hope, I hope that's a challenge to everybody, you know, here today especially, but to anybody. I mean, you think of your preacher coming out here all the way to Rock Falls and trying to start a church. You know, uh, there's, there's not a lot of people signing up for that. Amen? It takes faith to do that, but I guarantee you, your preacher wouldn't trade this life for anything. You know, have a job offer tomorrow making, you know, six figures. I guarantee you wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it either, amen? What are you going to do in your life, child of God, when you say, can God, can you have faith in Him? Will you really have faith and live by faith and trust in Him? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, the time we've had together this morning. Might you bless it and give us a good morning service as well. In your name we pray, amen.